What's up, Dream Warriors? Welcome back to another episode of a podcast on Elm Street. I'm Mark. And I'm Brooke. And this week, we're coming at you guys with the third and final installment of the Firefly trilogy, Three from Hell from 2019. And it's not just Brooke and I tonight. We had to get the Rob Zombie aficionado on here the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Josh Bowers from the HMC and another horror pod. Hey, thanks for having me back. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, anything Rob Zombie, we feel like we have to have you on for a little part of it at least. I'm starting to see a trend. Like I'd only get invited on other people's shows to talk about Rob Zombie stuff. I'm starting <laughs> to wonder if maybe it's a problem. <laughs> Rob Zombie or Ready or Not. That's very true. It honestly, that's spot on. That's all people want to hear me talk about. You'd think they'd be sick of it by now, honestly. <laughs> this is a first for you, though. I don't think anybody's talked Three from Hell with you before yet. I haven't done any of the Firefly trilogy at all. I've done the Halloweens. Oh. Um, Michael and I did do a Rob Zombie episode of director, like all of his work. I think we rated mm-hmm. him uh, for his show. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, this is it. This, is, this might be another six hour. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hope not <laughs> me too uh but yeah we brought you on because uh you were sharing your thoughts on this movie and we were just like fuck it like <laughs> we gotta have him on because i mean if we say something wrong and he can't defend it just like what happened with house of a thousand corpses like we're never gonna hear the end of it so Dude, I've kind of felt bad after that. I was like, God, I'm that annoying internet troll. Except I did it <laughs> like in your DMs though, right? Give me that much credit. Yeah. It wasn't like a big story post or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Um, before we hop into this movie discussion though, what have you guys been up to? Josh, we'll start with you. Any movies or shows or anything like that that you want to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think of something that I haven't talked about yet because I do it so often. Um, you guys know, did you guys hear my feelings on a quiet place part two? I haven't yet. No. Uh, well, I've heard it from you over DMs, but I don't think <laughs> on the episode. Yeah, Was that yeah. another one that I went too hard on? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I'm not going to go into grave detail on it. I just thought it was kind of boring after the first 30 minutes, but, um, mm. I think they tricked me because I had people telling me how great it was. You got to see it. So we watch it and like the first 25, 30 minutes of it are good. And then it's like it like hit like this slow motion, like what drove Brooke nuts in House of a Thousand Corpses when or uh, Rejects, I think it was, when uh, Rob Zombie does the slow motion stuff during action scenes. That's what I felt like with A Quiet Place too. It was like, <laughs> but, yeah. I, I do kind of understand where we're coming from because the first 30 minutes is, I mean, they show it in the trailer for this, not like spoilers, but they show day one and day one is just batshit crazy. So I feel like I, I kind of get what you're saying. It was like once they got to that bunker, it was just like, man, would something happen already? <laughs> but I've watched that. Um, the Tomorrow Wars, I think I told I was texting you guys about that too. I watched that. I loved it, dude. It was like. I was like tearing up during certain parts. I'm like, oh man, this is a real tearjerker, but it was good. Um, the HMC, so my podcast, we just finished up. Um, what what did we just do? HMC gets lost in the woods. So we just we have episodes out on Wrong Turn, Shrooms, and Deliverance. Those are all out right now. Mm-hmm. 
August will be uh, August is for aliens, so we theme all of our months, and we're going to be doing Alien, Slither, and the Faculty. So those will nice. all be out in August. It's it's a good lineup. But yeah, that's I won't bore you with two. Oh, one thing. Sorry, Abby and I started watching Sex Life on Netflix. <laughs> oh, oh shit! Have you guys watched this? I, I've only I've heard only, about it. I've only watched the one scene that I told yeah. you about. The long dong scene. Yeah, oh yeah. That's the one I sent you the picture of? Yeah. Dude, holy cow. Could you imagine being forced to carry that hog around all day? That's like the equivalent of like triple D breasts on a woman. Oh, dude. Seth and I were like, this thing is ginormous. And Jess looks at it and she goes, nah, it's it's okay. I was like, what are you used to? (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) It's okay. This guy has like a fucking nine inch dick soft. Oh, dude. That thing happened on the TV, and Abby and I both about fell out of the chair, dude. We were like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, I made her rewind it so I could send you guys a picture of it. <laughs> rewind it, pause it. Yeah, well, she had to. I mean, it's pretty quick, but it's like, whew. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. thing. Sex Life, Netflix. I suggest you check it out. So Seth's going to be hunting down this actor and hiring him for the glory run. <laughs> dude probably he was like yeah i'd try that out i'm like you would you would dude <laughs> oh shit dirty man whore mm-hmm. what about you brooke we just had a conversation the other day but have you watched anything new since um yeah i've actually watched quite a bit holy uh, fuck slow I down i know i'm watching a lot um so after we recorded the other night i kind of just wanted to watch something funny so i threw on deadpool Nice. I didn't say much about that. It's a great movie. Um, and then we had our dress as your significant other party. And after we were just kind of chilling, we uh, watched Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Nice. Um, the movie still holds up. <laughs> and I watched uh, this movie called The Impossible. I saw it on Netflix the other day. And it's kind of like a disaster movie, but it's, oh, it's yeah. not like kind of like Greenland or like 2012. Like it has like it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. So it's like based on the uh, the biggest tsunami in Thailand it has Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor in it. Uh, a very young Tom Holland. And uh, it was really good. It was really mm-hmm. good. Um, I watched Palm Springs uh, the other night. What did you think of that? It was good, man. Mm-hmm. I did not. Uh, I didn't know that it was going to be that type of movie, but yeah, I dug it. I dug it a lot. Um, and as for horror movies, I got back on the Leprechaun train because I've been going through those and ranking them on Letterboxd. So I watched Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Uh, not that great of a movie. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it as much as the first Back to the Hood. Um yeah. And then today I watched Old in the movie theater and nice. uh, I'll be posting something on Patreon. But um, I would, if you like going to the movies and want something to watch, I would go watch it. But I went like run out and watch it. Hmm. Like every other M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. You guys know my feelings on M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, you love them. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like you definitely won't like this movie. Well, Josh. full full disclosure, I messed up. So you guys know I traveled all all week and all weekend, and I so I had a lot of windshield time, and um, I wasn't paying attention to when one podcast ended and when because you know how if you don't like pick what's next, it'll just throw mm-hmm. one on. 
Yeah. Well, Fangirls are back, and they just did. I think it was them. They did an episode on that, and I didn't realize what was going on until it was like already like midway through it because they did like they haven't yeah. been, they haven't been on in a while, so they were like doing all their mm-hmm. catch up stuff. And they go, I wasn't honestly paying attention, and it goes into the movie, and I'm like, this sounds like something I've seen. So I'm listening, and then finally I catch on that it's that, and I'm like, oh, well now I know exactly what happens. Like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Fangirls. I'm probably not going to watch that movie now, but. Ruined it for yourself. Mm. That's all right. But uh, yeah, that's all I've watched. Nice, man. I'm still I'm still picking off fucking nail polish from that party the other night. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Mark Mark put on nail polish for his costume. He was a the dr- only one to do it. We did a dress as your spouse party. Oh, I and, saw the uh, pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And I got in shit for calling it a cross-dressing party because that's not mm, 2021. Can't, you can't say that. <laughs> can't say that anymore, I guess. But, You'll be getting uh, some DMs, son. <laughs> anyways, yeah. Um, as for movies, I watched Ma last night. Mm. Uh, not a good movie. <laughs> I agree. I did not enjoy that one. Dude. Like, I love Octavia Spencer, but she, like, I don't know. This was not her role. Um, it's dude. Okay, I, I don't. I I talked about this on one episode, but that dick grab scene where she's like gonna cut it mm-hmm. off. Yeah, too much, mm-hmm. too much yeah. for me. So I was like, oh no, <laughs> is this what's about to happen here? She holds a guy at gunpoint too, makes him strip down. I was like, this is just awkward. It yeah. was. It wasn't good. No. Nah. Uh. That's pretty much it, actually, since we last talked, Brooke. Watched the Olympics quite a bit last night while we were drinking and playing cards, and that's pretty much it. Boring weekend for me. Well, not nice. not a boring weekend, but boring movie-wise. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Let's uh, get into this movie, then. Let's do it. Like we said in the intro this week, we're talking about Three from Hell from 2019. This is the third and final installment of the Firefly Trilogy. If you haven't already, please check out our episodes on uh, House of Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, which have come out in the past couple weeks. Before we start talking about this movie, Josh, you're already balls deep into a drink, but uh, Brooke and I are... Oh, you looked like you were going to say something there. Oh, no, I have one down already. I got the whole stash here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember All last right. time we recorded so long that my wife had to bring me more beer? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All right. Brooke, what are you drinking? Um, so I don't have a beer tonight. We drank all of it on the weekend. I am having a Caesar. Very nice. Which Bloody for- Mary for you, Yankee fuck. Yeah. Ah, okay. I'm like, he's eating a salad? <laughs> you blend bl- it up blend it up a salad yeah. <laughs> this fucker's drinking a salad what's he doing 
Oh, shit. All right. Uh, I'm drinking a bush. Nice and simple. It's cute. I'm drinking my uh, patented. Oh, you can't see it's in a koozie. Miller Lite. Of course. Nice. My crack was not nearly as manly as yours. <laughs> mm, that's because I'm drinking a man-sized beer. Well, and just, just I don't know if there's any audio freaks out there like me, but I'm using a condenser mic, okay? It's just for the record. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not bouncing off all the walls and giving you a nice <laughs> manly crack. <laughs> Sounds like I'm over here cracking a Zima. What the fuck's a Zima? Uh, it's like a, it's a, the original White Claw, basically. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'd party and chicks, like, you know, before we were supposed to be drinking, and then they would put Jolly Ranchers down in it to flavor it. So it was basically just like carbonated water with alcohol in it gross mm. i'll take the flavor same oh excuse me all right so the synopsis for this movie after barely surviving prison the demented firefly clan go on the run unleashing a whole new wave of murder madness and mayhem uh, anything you guys want to say about that synopsis that was the whole synopsis that was the whole synopsis. Oh, shit. Dude, when we do synopsis, I give just the longest possible one I can find. <laughs> and I take out all of the grammar. So if there's like a pause, like a period, I'll take it out. So she doesn't know where to pause it. Dude, have you ever noticed how fucked up all of our synopsises are? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Now that you mention it. It's because I do it. I take out commas and periods. So it's just like one, if it's like four sentences, it's all one big ass run on sentence. So she'll <laughs> like she'll get halfway through it and look up at me like pissed off. Like No wonder why she hates you. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this movie was obviously directed by Rob Zombie. Um, we've already talked about his movie list, but... I want to ask you guys, Josh, you've already mentioned that you've kind of already done this, but uh, what's your favorite Rob Zombie movie? Hmm. It's got to be Halloween's my favorite Rob Zombie movie. Okay. Probably. I love all of them, honestly, but if I had to pick just hmm. one that I could never, uh, that I could only watch, it'd probably be that one. I think it's a, a fucking fantastic movie with an F. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But mostly, and, and mostly all you of them. also. Oh, what? Said mostly all of them. Mostly all of them. And you actually joined us back in October to discuss it. I did. Yeah. And that was our six hour recording session <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I managed to condense down to, I think, four hours. Yes. It's, it, honestly, it was a very impressive what you did with that. It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made a day job of editing that podcast episode (laughs) (laughs) um brooke what about you what's your favorite rob zombie movie um i would probably have to agree with josh actually i think halloween is probably my favorite um i haven't watched very many of his movies um not that like i don't want to it's just i just haven't taken the time to uh devil's rejects is a close second for me but probably halloween yeah i i I don't know Uh... For the sake of being different, I'm going to say Devil's Rejects, but it's like a 1A, 1B kind of thing with Halloween. Um, yeah. Just what he did for that remake was amazing. But also the Devil's Rejects was kind of his like big movie that showed what he was capable of because we kind of talked about that with House of Thousand Corpses and on our Devil's Rejects episode where he kind of skyrocketed his... Um, 
directing with that movie just really took a turn compared to what the first one was. If I had to pick one movie that was not in that Halloween series, like one of his original works, it would be it would be uh, Rejects for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. What's your least favorite one, Josh? Um, if I had to pick one, like gun to my head, it would probably be The Lords of Salem. Okay. Um, still don't think it's a bad movie, but if I had mm-hmm. to put them in that you know order, probably Lords yeah. of Salem. Obviously, yeah, I yeah. like corpses more than you guys do, based on you being shocked by my letterbox rating. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you gave it a four point five. Four point five, yeah, four point five for corpse. I won't tell you what I gave three from hell, and then obviously a five for rejects. It's a fucking perfect movie. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Uh, this cast list again. Um, we have the main three that I've kind of been rhyming off on every episode so far. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie plays Baby. Bill Mosley plays Otis. And Sid Haig plays Captain Spaulding, who unfortunately was not able to be in this movie as much as he was in the previous two due to his illness and then, uh, unfortunately, his passing. But... Uh, yeah, Josh, you and I kind of mentioned this too. It, like, it's so hard seeing him in this movie because he just took such a downhill spiral, I guess, from the previous works that we've seen him in. Oh, it's excruciating to see it. And you look at mm-hmm. him and he just looks so much different. And then there's even mm-hmm. a clip in this movie where they show, because Baby is uh, reminiscing on him, right? And yeah. they show what he used to look because he's, he's like a big dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. he's just condensed to this little old old man, but he's still got a freaking spitfire in the scenes oh, they yeah. did get with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was almost thinking, because one of like the opening scenes, there's like people on TV kind of like speaking for him a bit. And I was kind of thinking, like, did they try to like take back some of how much dialogue he had in the movie mm-hmm. because of how sick he was, maybe? They brought him in for one day to film. So they only had him for one day. And I don't know mm-hmm. that he was supposed to be filming. Because um, I know, and again, I wasn't, it's not like Rob Zombie calls me, but it's just shit that I've read. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Is I wish he would. I'd love to hang out with him. But um, man, Jess would probably leave the show if I got to hang out with Rob Zombie and she didn't. But um, is it said that he had like talked to Sid and, and said, you know, wanted to be a part of the movie and knowing that this would be his last movie he ever made, right? So mm-hmm. I think he had a passion for the character and, and, and for this franchise and for these, this family of characters. And I think that's probably why I can only imagine he, how uncomfortable he was filming this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a picture of him at like one of the horror cons and he looked like he did in this movie. And I was like, Oh my God, he looks so fucking sick. But this was before anybody knew that he was sick. And there was like this big release from him and like, from his agent or something like that saying that, Oh no, don't worry guys. Like he's really healthy. He's just uh, like, he's lost weight. Like he's developed a healthier lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, nah, that doesn't look like a healthier lifestyle. Like that looks like he's mm-hmm. on his way out. Well, I think he got in a car accident too, didn't he? Cause that's actually yeah. what did him in. I think was the car accident. Yeah. Uh, he looks it's yeah. Like I said, it's rough to see the way he looks yeah. in this movie. And, um, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine, you know, 15 years later making this movie and then you've written all of this. The whole movie was written around the original three, right? And now mm-hmm. you're scrambling. Like, well, now what do I... Because Spalding's a huge part of these movies. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, now what do I do? And from what I've read, it seems like he kept the majority of the movie how it was supposed to be. Obviously, they just introduced Foxy instead of Spalding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I want to like skip ahead a bit, but in, in the beginning, whenever he gets uh, like the death sentence, like his last words, he doesn't have, you know, some Captain Spalding, you know, funny line to say. He just says like, you know, family and friends, you know, stay, stay safe or whatever it was like. It was very, a very, a very serious last words. And I feel like that was kind of Sid speaking mm-hmm. and from Sid Haig, not Captain Spaulding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Yeah. Fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so like you did say, Josh, we were introduced to Foxy or Winslow, who was, was he their cousin? No, he was good. Yeah. Oh, he was Otis's uh, half brother. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so many fucking brothers and half brothers and half sisters <laughs> and step siblings and holy shit. Uh, but he was played by Richard Brake, who is no, um, no stranger to Rob Zombie's movies. Uh, he was in this one. He was in 31. I think he was in another one too, but I just went over his list pretty quickly. But Josh, you might be able to answer that. I know he was Doomhead in 31, which is an yeah. iconic role. He's in uh, Halloween too. Also, he's one of the ambulance drivers. He's the one that talks about fucking the oh, corpses. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> he's the one that Michael cuts his head off with a piece of glass. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was also in Kingsman, Hannibal Rising, Mandy, and Doom. You know, for a few seasons, he actually played... Uh, did you guys watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. yeah. He played the Night King on Game of Thrones for yes, a few seasons. Yes, actually, I did know that. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't that mm-hmm. wild? Huh. Yeah, what? I don't know what happened with that because they brought in that other guy for like the last couple seasons. From what I heard, it was scheduling conflicts. Mm. He's fucking making three from hell. Maybe. Do you know he flew in? He was making a movie, finished that movie, and flew directly to make this movie? Really? Yeah. Shit. That's dedication. Uh, Next up, I have Jeff Daniel Phillips, who played Warden Virgil Harper. And he was in Satanic Panic, Westworld 31, Lords of Salem, Halloween 2. It seems like Rob Zombie's recycling a lot of his actors. Obviously, with Sherry Moon Zombie and Bill Mosley and Sid Haig, they were in a ton of them. But even like these, these like secondary and tertiary characters, he seems to be bringing them back a lot. Yeah, he's the next Adam Sandler. I think that um, <laughs> he'll be in the Monsters as well. From what I've read, mm-hmm. I don't think they've put any cast people up yet. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and that's it. I have three honorable mentions. I don't know if you guys have any or not, but uh, my three I have. This fucking blew my mind when I was looking at the cast list. Uh, D. Wallace played Greta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I was really? like, I was like, what the fuck? Wow. Like, no way. Uh, yeah, they really did her up because uh, she's normally blonde, and yeah, I don't know. Like, she had like a a nose piece on for most of the episode because, or for most of the movie because baby fucking broke her nose but so awesome (laughs) (laughs) uh next up i have emilio rivera 
who plays Aquarius. And this guy, if you see his face, you have seen him in yeah. ridiculous amounts of movies and TV shows. Yeah. And lastly, I have Clint Howard, who played Mr. Baggy Bridges. Huh. And mm-hmm. if you look him up, you'd recognize him too. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that's like, uh, what's his face from uh, Devil's Rejects? Jimmy. Oh, okay. He's one of the, oh, he played uh, the Ice Cream Man. I don't know if you guys have seen oh, that fuck, movie. He did play the Ice Cream Man. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all I can picture now is him on the cover of that movie with the little hat on. <laughs> didn't he have like a hat on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. dude. That's terrible. Yeah. Awful movie. Awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you guys have anybody else to add to the list? No, I, I didn't really have anyone else. No, I don't either. No? Okay. All right, uh, Josh, you mentioned that uh, you have a few things, pointers and uh, discussion topics that you want to bring up before we dive fully into this movie discussion. Because we have, we inadvertently asked you a few questions in our last couple episodes. That's true. And I think it'll help (laughs) with the discussion. Not that the discussion won't be great anyway, but I think maybe it might get your brain churning a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. You may think I'm stupid. Most people do. (laughs) So the f- the first question was, I forget, I think it might have been Brooke asked a question about why Rejects was so different from House of a Thousand Corpses because there was a quote from Sherry Moon saying that she doesn't view Corpses at, or uh, Rejects as a sequel to Corpses, right? That was me that brought that up, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I gave credit to Brooke. We'll just give him the credit <laughs> yeah. for it. No, I want the credit. Okay, so long story short, nobody expected Corpses to do well. Or even to be released, right? Because it was recorded in 2000, mm-hmm. never got released till th- 2003. Uh, it's, and most was because they couldn't agree on the rating. It got an NC-17 mm-hmm. rating right out of the gate, and they had to get it down to rated R. Because basically, when you get that NC-17 rating, your movie's blacklisted, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody will show it. Um, so Rob Zombie actually went back and bought the rights to the movie himself and got MGM to pick it up, which they dropped it, and then it was finally released by Lionsgate, and that's why all the edits and the cuts and all the shit are really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, what it reminds me of, and I've said this before, um, it might have been with you guys, do you guys remember Kill Bill? They could not get Kill Bill released because of how bloody it was. Yeah. And they had to go in and do a bunch of the scenes animated. Yes. It was the only way they could get the movie mm-hmm. an R rating to release it was they had to go in and cut out a bunch of live action shots and make them animated. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in my opinion, I'm guessing a lot of those weird cut scenes things that were added into that movie, I don't know, again, he doesn't call me, but I'm assuming that a lot of those weird cut scenes and shit, like you guys compared it to his music videos, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he didn't have transitions between scenes maybe and that's why he mm-hmm. had to add that shit in just to make it somewhat functional. But I've I found through all three of these movies his transition edits are fucking weird, mm-hmm. and it's only in these three movies that he does them. Like I don't remember him ever doing shit like that in like Halloween or Thirty One or Lords of Salem or any of those other ones. No, it's just this trilogy that he does it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's because he knew that like he had these weird ones in the in the first one, so he just kind of continued continued doing it. Or I'm assuming. Um... <clears throat> But the other thing is he never wanted to make a sequel to Rejects. I'm sorry, to Corpses. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. with all the issues he had getting the first movie released, since Corpses did so good, Lionsgate yeah. immediately was like, hey, we want a sequel to this movie. 
And mm-hmm. I'm assuming he was like, okay, fuck it. I'll take the characters from this movie and put them in the movie I really want to make mm-hmm. and then use it as a sequel. So I'm guessing, again, 100% life according to Josh, is I'm guessing he used that opportunity of, hey, we're green lighting your next movie mm-hmm. based off the issues he had with the original one. He was like, okay, fuck it. I'll just take these three characters and I'll put them in this movie that I really want to make. And mm-hmm. that's what you got with Devil's Rejects. Yeah, and I get that, but I mean, to say that it's not viewed as a sequel, I think is just crazy. Regardless of what his thought process was, the way that they continued the story on from Rejects in or from Corpses into Rejects. Right. Like it's cl- it's clearly a sequel. I agree. I think it's a sequel. I think that's the direction she's coming from cuz he's went on record mm-hmm. saying that he never wanted to make a second Corpses movie and he just knew he had to use the same characters and that's the direction he took it. Mm-hmm. So if he never wanted to make a second one, then my theory on him never wanting to make three from hell is probably fairly accurate. If he didn't want to make a second one, he sure shit didn't want to make a third one. Mm, I don't know. I think he did want to make a third one. Really? I and he think wanted so. it to be like this. Uh, I think so. I think this is his kumbaya farewell to these characters. <laughs> Yeah, I think oh, we'll, we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we got heavy into that discussion at the end of Devil's Rejects. And, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like you get... I've never made a movie. I've never written a book or anything. But I would feel like you would get so... Because these characters are all a part of him, right? In some form mm-hmm. or fashion, they're a piece of him. So mm-hmm. I would think that you get so attached. To, it's like TV shows, like when they go on too long. Like a TV mm-hmm. show should be four or five seasons, but then you get people that just love these characters and continue to write 10 seasons worth of content. And it's like, eh. I'm not saying that about this movie because I think we're probably going to disagree on this movie. But I'm just saying I think that like you're so invested in these characters, you want to see them continue on and, in my opinion, want to give them a happy ending because you you're so invested in them. But... Yeah, I feel like that's that's accurate because I feel like that was the detriment to the last season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a 12-hour podcast. We're going down a whole other rabbit hole with that one. I think I'm the only person that didn't hate the last season of Game of Thrones. No, I, didn't, I, didn't I didn't hate I didn't hate it either. I didn't. Oh, be beautiful. Honest. Yeah. I didn't think it was as good as what it could have been, but I mean, also the directors and the producers and the writers are going off of their own material because right. fucking George R. R. Martin can't finish a fucking <laughs> storyline. Well, they didn't sign on to finish his books for him. They signed on to make mo- TV adaptations of his work with source material. Exactly. They didn't sign on to finish the source material. So yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. you get what you get, right? <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Okay, that was. I think that answered all your guys' questions. To be honest with you, um, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, yeah, what's my answer <laughs> to your questions? So, um, here, hang, hang in here with me, okay? Just okay. hear me out before you start getting upset. All right. All right. I have always had this theory about these movies. Okay. Hmm. I mean. We know the family is clearly delusional, right? Mm-hmm. And Foxy brings up getting into the movies to Otis, and Otis is super sarcastic in every one of these movies, right? He's always tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic. He says shit that you may or may not pick up on, right? That probably mm-hmm. means something else, right? And he says sarcastically 
Um, oh, well, that's a new one. So my theory mm-hmm. is this family believes that they're in their own movie. I've always thought this, even from the first one. And that obviously they use character names from uh, Groucho Marx, right? Yeah. Okay. But these people have their actual names and then they have their stage names, okay? Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've got their their real names, they have their stage names. But have you ever noticed, just hang in here with me, okay? This gets a little crazy. It's my fan theory is going wild. But <laughs> there's scenes, like the scene with uh, Baby, where she is just completely crazy, right? Mm-hmm. All of them. They're all off the wall. They give these long speeches, these great monologues. They do crazy shit. And then they get the, you get the three of them in a room, in a hotel room, and they're talking like the three of us would talk. I feel like this family thinks they're in their own movie. And when they're doing all this crazy delusional shit that we're like, oh, they're insane. I think they're acting. They're acting to that character that they've been given that name of. So, again. I would like to watch those Groucho Marx movies and see if that theory pans out. This is my theory from watching these movies 500 times because you can see like a flip of a switch Mm -hmm. when they do it. And when they're partying in this movie in Mexico, yeah, they seem pretty normal for the most part, right? And you get all that crazy shit they do prior in the movie and in Rejects and that hotel scene and all the crazy shit they do. But then like when it's just them, it's almost like they're backstage just hanging out completely normal and then they can turn it on whenever they want. The only thing that I have to say that could possibly turn that theory on its head mm-hmm. is when they're in their hotel room and baby like goes to leave and Otis says to Foxy, he's like, she's fucking wacky, man. <laughs> and he, and, and Foxy's like, we're all a little wacky. And Otis is like, no, you don't know her. Like I do, man. Like something's up. Yeah. No, I can see that. But I mean, she's been in prison being tortured for what? 10 years. So 10 I mean, years, that, that yeah. makes sense. Right. But like that also is a testament to Otis realizing Okay, something's wrong. Like she's if she acts like that all the time, like she's obviously off her rocker, right? But now he's noticing mm-hmm. that something's not there that is normally there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he think, Otis go ahead, sorry. No, sorry. I was gonna say just I think Otis never really breaks character because there's a scene in this movie where they're all together alone and baby she just says like quietly, Is this all worth it? And mm-hmm. he's like, Are you thinking about uh Cutter again? And he gets on the train about, you know, like, fuck the government, fuck the man, like, all that stuff that he usually says. So in that scene, I think Baby kind of, you know, took a step back from her character. Mm-hmm. Agreed, except for, I think Otis's character is, like, the Charles Manson of the group. Like, a great example mm-hmm. would be in Rejects, when he gives that long-winded speech about being the devil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, I think that's his character. I don't know. Again, this could be way off top. But my point is, if that is the case, then Rob Zombie's writing two characters for each one of these actors, and they're acting it out perfectly. Like it's insane to watch, in my opinion. When I look mm-hmm. at it from that standpoint, I'm like, wow, holy shit. He's basically writing two storylines for each character, and that character has to act out each of those storylines. It's, I don't know. I think the guy's a genius, but whatever. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I I don't I don't hate that theory. 
I'm telling you, go back and watch all of these movies again with that theory in mind, especially House of a Thousand Corpses. Because the thing about corpses is yeah, you don't get one's... any understanding of that actual family because that whole movie centered around that's their Halloween festivities. Spalding, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is clearly sending those kids to that house so that they can do that for their Halloween festivities. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the whole thing at the end where the Dr. Satan's uh, lair thing, whatever, whether that really happened or not. I have my own opinions on that, but that'll take forever too. Um, but that movie centered around that festivity. So I think you really get to see the rejects in their actual form in Devil's Rejects. The, the first one is just a big spectacle of what they do on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack the episode, but that that's my oh, no, that's good. my crazy That's why we theory. brought you on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um not to go even more off topic, have you seen the extended cut of Devil's Rejects where apparently Dr. Satan does make an appearance? No, I I've Has that ever been released? Or? I don't think it's released. Um I don't even know if they shot it, but I know it was a, a he was like in the back of an ambulance or something, isn't he? I don't know. I just read somewhere that he was originally supposed to, and I thought it said that Zombie cut the scene out. He said it didn't fit with the feel of the Rejects movie. Um, mm-hmm. It felt too cartoonish, it was what he said. Okay. I don't think that ever happened in Corpses, if you want my honest opinion on it. I think she was hallucinating. So you don't think the whole Dr. Satan thing is real? No. Or the Earl thing? Um, I think Earl is there, but everything that she sees in that lair is shit they told her about. So I think she's hallucinating yeah. and seeing shit. Okay. Because the only th- everything she sees down there is stuff that that family told her about prior to her going down there. That's true. So I don't think it actually happened. He he has never said. He said he has left it open to interpretation. I think she mm. gets away, gets in Spalding's car. Otis is in there, and that's the. I think that's the end of the movie. I think that's that's what happens. In my and they opinion. they don't bring her back to the house. I'm sure they do and they kill her, but I don't I don't know. Hmm. But I don't think she gets away. Hmm. That's just my theory. I don't think the Dr. Satan stuff is actually it actually happens, but Okay. All right. <laughs> well <laughs> We're talking about three from hell, so let's uh let's fucking dive into this movie discussion now. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to go back and do like a little bit of a recap on the other two, at least. <clears throat> yeah yeah um uh, mark this was your first watch of three from hell it was yeah yeah um all right so let's just get into my biggest issue with this movie is how the hell the three of them survived the last movie and like what i i don't think this movie was needed at all in the trilogy mm-hmm. um i don't i just think the rejects was the perfect ending to that family in my opinion that's my opinion as well i love the end of devil's rejects it's probably one of my favorite movie endings um Mm -hmm. but as you guys know my opinion on movies is there for pure entertainment and i love these he can make 27 more of these and i'd love every one of them um i love Mm -hmm. the characters i love the way the movies look um do i disagree with you that that you know, the end of rejects wasn't perfect. No, it's definitely perfect. It's a perfect way to send that family mm-hmm. out. For sure. However, like I said, I feel like you probably get attached to these characters and you want to see what could happen in the next chapter. Um, however, I think there's a loophole that we're forgetting about. And Mark, you read the tagline in your last episode from devil's rejects. Do you remember what it is? Uh, 
if some hell didn't want them or hell didn't want them and we, i can't remember and we reject exactly. them hell doesn't want them and we reject them so if yeah I, maybe hell didn't want them they sent them right back up here to us so we could have another movie <laughs> that's fair they did take over twenty bullet wounds each, but I mean, you they know. did, yeah, yeah. And like at the start of Three from Hell, they showed the 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 photograph, or not like a photograph, but like a sketch of where all the bullet holes were. And I was like, "There's like this wasn't twenty bullet holes to the leg. Yeah, this was like five to the chest, like bunch to their abdomen. Like this would kill anybody." Yeah. Oh, it for sure would, but uh, that's why it's a movie. So that's why <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? Okay, I want to see where he goes with it. And honestly, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. Yes, I agree. It's a little far fetched that they survived, but um, I'm not upset that they did. I'm not upset that they did either. But I, I, I think my I first wa- my first watch of it, I was kind of upset they did it because I just kind of took away from the whole last movie, kind of made that movie pointless but not really um but this second watch i definitely kind of put that in the background and i enjoyed it more the first second time Mm -hmm. how many times have you watched it twice yes my second time mark did you watch it twice like i told you to (laughs) no i didn't have time i only watched Uh, it you fucker i actually was not a huge fan of this movie the first time i watched it i remember texting jess and i was like you gotta be fucking kidding me this is what we got Mm-hmm. and she hadn't watched it yet she was like i don't think i'm even gonna watch it and i was like you should watch it just to watch it right so then i went back yeah. and watched it again because i was like there's no way this movie is as bad as i think it is so i go back and i watch it and i fucking fell in love with it and mm-hmm. i probably watched it six times and every time i watch it like when i watch it this i watched it today i watched it uh before we did this so i wanted to have it fresh mm-hmm. in my mind i went in the letterbox and up my rating on it. i liked it even more like i like it every time i watch it i like it even more okay so, but I did not like it much the first time I watched it. Yeah, I don't know. I still think like my theory still stands where Rob Zombie did not intend on making a third one, whether or not he was super invested in these characters or not. Just the way that he and rejects, there, there's no way in my mind that he had the thought of keeping them alive and making a third movie, just because of the way that ending was shot, the way he focused on every single, like I've mentioned in our episodes, I'm just recapping, but the way he focused on every single bullet that they took and like the slow motion and the song and everything like that. Like, I feel like that was intended to be their end. Agreed. In 2005, I think it was intended to be their end, but if there's one thing that we can all agree about Rob Zombie, he's very indecisive Halloween too. fair <laughs> i'm not gonna make halloween 2 i made my movie halloween 1 okay we'll have this other cat direct how all right i'm in i'll do it fuck it like i'm not gonna give this guy my work okay so we're talking what 14 15 years later eh, who's yeah. to say he didn't i mm-hmm. personally think he didn't want to write this movie and i think that he wanted to do it the way he did it um which i'm sure we'll get into but i i think he mm-hmm. did intend to do it i think he wrote it the way he wrote this for a specific reason Mm-hmm. yeah um and the first time i watched it i i didn't like the whole beginning of this movie with like the the camera cameraman and like the people talking to the 
like the camera like supporting them but i think i liked it more than this one just because it kind of felt like ted bundy ish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you got these fans who are like free the three and like they think like otis is you know this good looking guy and babies is like oh she wouldn't be able to do any of that stuff and yeah i don't know i kind of liked it this time around it's so fucking brilliant and it's so on par with all the true crime stuff like all this true mm-hmm. crime shit we have out now this this is not out of the realm of possibility Look no, at all the women not. that wrote love letters to Charles Manson. Yeah. And like, we're on, like, this is like, I could totally see this happening. Look at all the women. Did you guys watch that Netflix documentary on the Night Strangler? Uh, yes, actually. I haven't I watched that one. Dude, no. that's the ugliest dude you'll ever see. And there were <laughs> women that were in love with this dude. Like, went yeah. to the freaking uh, courtroom and were like cheering mm-hmm. for him and shit. Well, didn't Manson get married in prison too? I think was he it did. Him that got married. I uh, think he Bundy did. did as well. Oh, maybe it was Bundy that I'm thinking of. Oh, dude, Manson yeah. was like off his fucking rocker, dude. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I mean, there's certain people in the world that kind of make these serial killers like a messiah almost, and like they put them on this pedestal. So I I I do enjoy this whole opening sequence where I don't know. They're almost like. Like we saw what they were capable of. We saw what they did in these previous movies. And it's like, you guys are fucking idiots. But <laughs> like at the yeah. same time, they didn't see all that shit. They were so, worshiping I'm, them. They were worshiping these people. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude, I love the opening to this. I think it's so well shot. It's so well done. I love when uh, the, the, the pod, I mean, he's not a podcaster. He's like a news reporter guy, but he goes in to talk to Sid and Sid just like totally belittles <laughs> this fucking guy. It's like, yes. <laughs> and Otis is like, get ready to burn, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love Otis. But yeah, no, I love the beginning of this movie. I just, I think it's so realistic. It was why I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To this time, I think it's a good thing that Rob Zombie waited until 2019 or 2018, I guess, probably to shoot this movie. Mm hmm. Because the world was a much different place in 2005 oh, yeah. than it is than it was like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think he was able to get away with this sort of thing um, and make it believable. For sure, for sure. I mean, I wonder if he has seen one of these true crime documentaries and like got his wheels turning. He was like, I wonder how people would react if the rejects survived and if how, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because they would clearly, the shit they did would warrant, mm-hmm. I just should not warrant, I shouldn't say it that way, but like it would probably <laughs> attract these kind of people. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, again, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Spalding has killed more people than Otis. Like, you think that's why they kind of like, I, they, they probably gave him the death sense because obviously Sid Haig passed away in real life. Right. But like for movie wise, like why do you think that he would have gotten the death sense? Uh, I think they saw like, him. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was, was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the uh, conspirator, I guess, right? Like kind yeah. of. Yeah. I was gonna say I think that like the media saw or the justice system saw him as the ringleader of everything. That's also what I think, and I also think probably because, and I don't, I don't know this to be true, but if you're older, do you like go to the front of the line? I don't. Know. I don't know how it works. 
Hmm. Yeah, yeah I don't I'm know. not sure. I assumed as well as obviously probably because Sid wasn't going to be able to be in the movie and they had to replace him mm-hmm. with Foxy. Um, but I think that uh, likely he was probably viewed as like the, the, the patriarch or whatever, the family, right? He's the dad. Yeah. So he's probably the ringleader, yeah. even though as we know, that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're in jail for about 10 years, I think. Um, do you think that's a baby got parole just because she was the female of the group or was up for parole, I guess the option of parole. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I also wonder if maybe she wasn't viewed as, as threatening possibly. I think that's probably the case. Yeah. Cause I don't, we have a Canadian guy up here, Josh, I don't know if you've heard of him, but Paul Bernardo, Mm-mm. Um, him and his girlfriend kidnapped these girls and like raped them and killed them and he's still in jail but Carla Homolka she got off really like she went to jail for I, I don't I can't remember how long exactly but she got off on parole and now she's like living fairly close to us actually and <laughs> uh, like she's married now and everything like she's living her own life interesting but he but he's still in jail but she was just as much a part of it as he was do we know that Otis didn't get parole? Or we, I mean, we just saw babies. Maybe I don't know if That's maybe true. Otis did, and we just didn't see it. Old, and even uh, even in her parole hearing, like the guy says that she has like over 150 instances or whatever. 157. <laughs> She's like 158. Yeah, yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I personally did not like Baby in this movie. Mm. I didn't like her as much as in the other ones. I liked her more towards the end, but like the first half, I was like, uh, I don't understand like what's going on. I get that she's like in solitary and like she's been in prison for 10 years and getting tortured and beaten and all this shit. So like she's kind of losing her mind. I get that. But I mean, she her mind was already lost before she went to jail. So yeah. maybe according to my theory, it's not, but maybe, well, maybe <laughs> I do the scene where they introduce her in this movie, where she's walking down the hall with those guards and she's just like looking off so menacingly in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Such a good shot. I feel like she's almost trying to play her interpretation of this character in this movie reminds me of like, if the character of baby was auditioning for, a part in the suicide squad as Harley Quinn. I could see that. So she's playing a character. You think? Oh, all of a sudden your theory's kind of coming into play. eh? Uh, I'm just saying, no, dude, honestly, <laughs> one, one of my favorite scenes from this movie is obviously her introduction, but like mm-hmm. that scene in her, um, there's a couple of them with her and the warden, but when she's, um, cause if you notice, she really turns that on around the warden and the warden's at that hearing and yeah. he, she keeps looking at him while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's something else there, but like uh, you can find this character obnoxious and not like the character, but you cannot say that Sherry Moon does not do a freaking phenomenal job acting in this scene. It is so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not her acting that I don't like It's I think it's just the, the, the different characteristics of baby in this one. Yeah. I mean, the, even the Otis two. later in the movie, Josh brought it up earlier, but he even says to uh, Foxy, he's like, 
man, she's acting like really wacky, like wackier than she usually is. Like something, something's up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I wonder if it has because you see her seeing shit in solitary. But you figure this these people's whole life revolves around their family and they've been plucked right out of that and they're by themselves, not around anyone. And the reason I mm-hmm. think she's putting on an act during this part and around the warden is because later whenever you see her and Greta have that one-on-one when Greta's on the other side of the door and baby just like turns into baby again. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you fold me up like a little napkin and put me in your pocket and you take me home. I live inside your head. Yeah, dude, like that is their game, Mark. I think you brought this up on Rejects. That's like because it was during that hotel scene. Like that's what they do. They're mm-hmm. not overpowering people. They're not big people. They're just that's what they do. They play mind, and you see it at the very end of this movie. That's what they do. They want to play mind games with you until they see something inside of you break, and then they'll mm-hmm. kill you. That yeah, that ending of this movie, I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. that's fucking cool. But that's yeah, what she but. does to Greta in the war. That's why I'm like, okay, yeah, she's off her rocker more so than usual, but, like, she's still baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think I she thought... was... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, do you think she was turning Greta on? Oh, yeah. Because Greta was, like, licking her lips, and, like, she was, like... Yeah. I don't know. Like, it looked like... Because the shit the baby was saying, like, oh, you go home and get wet thinking about me and stuff like that. And Greta, like, starts, like losing her hard ass uh exterior and i was like mm-hmm. oh shit like is she like turning her on right now like is she there is. gonna be like a prison guard and inmate sex scene right now <laughs> no she would have totally killed her if she came in there but she 100 oh, yeah, percent sure. owned that woman in that scene mm-hmm. and that's when yeah. again the, i agree with you guys first time i watched i was i was just like oh, this is what is going on here but then like the more i watch it the more i appreciate and catch on to other things because mm-hmm. you like see her flip that switch right and then she's but when she's with the warden she acts like she's you know in character again so i don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, i i hated that fucking scene when she's in the cell and she sees the fucking cat <laughs> the kitty oh, <laughs> yeah the fuck was that? That i'll give was you fucking weird. i'll give like, you that I, I think like maybe you could have replaced that with maybe like like a flashback with spalding like whenever she was like younger or or something else like i don't know i thought it was really silly it's like that scene in the shining whenever he's walking through the halls and he sees <laughs> that guy dressed up as a dog fucking the rich guy <laughs> <laughs> just so out of place i agree with you the only thing i can say to that is it's because she's delusional right but i agree with you yeah, it's it's yeah. Eh, it probably didn't have to be there mm-hmm. no what was your guys's take on the Otis's escape from, I guess, jail? <sighs> Mark has thoughts. I can tell. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to hear Josh's. Um, I think it's a little far fetched that they let this crazy, insane Charles Manson esque person go out and and do uh work while baby is in in isolation. But um, I also wonder if maybe because Otis isn't like an intimidating guy, so I'm wondering if when he went to prison, he's very smart. So I'm wondering if when he went to prison, he like put on his nice guy act and like he doesn't seem as uh crazy, or they're just like, oh, he's just this little old dude that we can let him go out and dig trenches. Right. But, um, 
you also have to put yourself in the time frame. Obviously, that's probably very unlikely now, but maybe back then. It, because I, does this take place in '78 or is it in the '80s? It's ten years after '78, isn't it? So it's '88. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, I do love the fact that he is on the truck with Danny Trejo's character, which is the one that caught yeah. them in rejects mm-hmm. and turned them into uh, Wydell. Yeah, yeah I, and, I did like that. And too he's like, I know you. And he's like, I don't remember you. He's like, you will, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that other kind of added story because you can't just have this movie about them like escaping jail and figuring out where to go. Like, you got to have something else mm-hmm. in this movie. There's got to be, there's got to be, I mean, they're the protagonists, but I mean, in a sense, we can consider them the an- antagonists or no, I'm, the other way around they're the antagonists technically but there's got to be a like a protagonist to them is that what i'm trying to say i, I always fuck them up too to be completely honest <laughs> with you we view we view them as the bad guys but they don't view themselves as the bad guys and rob zombie needs a bad guy in this movie to counteract them and to go after them yeah. much like yes. wydell did in rejects so when you watch this do you view the three from hell as the the villain in the movie well yeah see when i watch this movie i'm 100 percent rooting for him the whole time like they are my hey. uh he not want to say heroes but obviously for me when i watch <laughs> it like i want them to succeed because like that's the other thing rob zombie does such a great job at with these movies is writing our hero characters to where we don't like them. Like this Virgil, mm-hmm. Warden Virgil, I fucking cannot stand this guy. I'm like, yeah. shoot this dude. Just because I view them as a villain, though, it doesn't mean I can't be rooting for them. Well, they're supposed to be the villain. Like, they're not great people. Like we should mm-hmm. not, we should be rooting for Virgil. And honestly. Like, yeah. Like I root for the Joker a lot of the time too. Same here. I love he's my well, favorite yeah. character from Batman. I'm always rooting Me for too. the Joker. But to be able to write a character like that for three straight mm-hmm. movies, well, maybe not. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're rooting for him in Corpses, but definitely Rejects. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's doing something right. <laughs> yeah. I do think that uh, Foxy was kind of like a last minute character, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Richard Brake did a great job, but just like the backstory, like his nickname and stuff. Like you don't really get the backstory on that. You just kind of know, oh yeah, I'm his half brother. And then mm-hmm. he just kind of continues the story on with them. Yeah. I definitely think he was scrambling to figure out what to do. Um, like I said and before, it, I think from what I've heard in interviews and stuff that this movie is still pretty true to the original vision, just with a char- obviously a character swap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they had to, Obviously, the logistics of it all changed, but I'm pretty sure that... And obviously, Spaulding and, and Foxy are completely different um, um, personality-wise, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Foxy, yeah. you can definitely tell Foxy's Otis's brother, but... Yeah. yeah. But I think it's easy just to say, I'm going to add another character in and I'm going to make him another sibling in the Firefly family. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this family tree can go on for fucking 500 branches for all we know i mean mama firefly and spaulding they were getting around quite a bit yeah i don't know how true this is but i've read a bunch of stuff online where it's like they actually put together timelines and stuff 
Mm. And Otis had been, and again, I don't know how accurate any of this is, but from what I've read, Otis had been on like killing sprees and cross country um, <laughs> raids and stuff before. Or maybe he, again, I can't remember the full story, but I think maybe he ended up with the Firefly family and then went off and then came back or something. But so theoretically, Otis should have all of these other arcing storylines that we have no idea about because he did all these things either before he got there or uh, was there and left. But I know mm-hmm. that um, he's like an adopted son, an illegal adopted son of Mama yeah. Firefly. So. I would. I don't think it's too far out of the realm of possibility that he had. And it, for all we know, this may not even really be his half brother. Like if somebody calls his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he calls baby a sister, and she's not. Mm-hmm. Technically not. Yeah. But so, I mean, we view her as more a sibling to her than we would Foxy. Right. Well, if they made another movie, maybe we would. We, we would. Well, just yeah. Assume that's his I brother, mean, like, right? Leading up to now, for sure. I guess I don't get as as. Um, nitpicky with it just because I understand the situation. Like if he, if, if Sid Hag was perfectly healthy and fine, he was like, yeah, we're going to mm-hmm. write off Spalding and throw this fight. Yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. I like, I mean, what do you do? Cause he, I, I do know for a fact he looked at doing it with just the two of them mm-hmm. and he felt like the mm-hmm. dynamic worked better with three characters, which I honestly agree. I think it does. Yeah. Cause if you remember in reject Spalding and baby kind of team up on Otis mm-hmm. and you see Foxy and baby doing that in this movie. Like when they're no. in the hotel room and they're like laying and sitting on the bed and they're like talking him into going to Mexico. They're like, come on. Yeah, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And when they're in the car, <coughs> the car, and he won't let her drive. He's like, if I put her behind the wheel, we'll be in jail in five minutes. And he's like, just let mm-hmm. her drive, man. <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like Foxy and Otis have that like, I just finished saying that I don't see them as siblings as much, but they do have that like sibling rivalry. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, Foxy, there's one point Foxy's like, oh, you want me to go in? Like, they're going to recognize me right away. And Otis is like, they're going to recognize you, motherfucker? Like, I'm public enemy number one. Uh-huh. He's like, they're not going to recognize you for your two-bit crimes. And then, so, okay, not to play into my theory too much, but Baby gets out of the car and opens the door, and what does she say? Don't forget, I'm the star of this show. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she does yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I like, dude, I honestly, I think they all three play really well off of each other, and I don't for him flying directly there to film that movie, him and Bill Mosley do so good together. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I'm just trying to get some conversation, you know? No, you're good, man. I think I do need to watch this like a second and third time. Cause I mean, not to spoil anything later on, but like, I didn't hate the movie. I had originally hated the idea of the movie, but I mean, it, it's Rob Zombie. Like there's not much that he puts out that you can't find good things. Mm-hmm. about the movie unless you so purposely th- are trying not to like a lot of people do right yeah exactly which is what i did prior to actually watching the movie um but yeah i think like a second and third watch i i could be in the same boat as you josh i'm telling you the first time i watched it i really couldn't appreciate it um a quick scene i wanted to quickly talk about was uh whenever the hikers find um foxy I loved Otis's line here after he fucking destroys the guy's face <laughs> or head. And Foxy's like, I got something in my fucking eye, a piece of skull. <laughs> and then Otis like says the girl's like, Oh, it's a nice knife. Is it uh, is it sharp? She's like, Why? And he just gets that fucking look on his face. Uh-huh. And then just you get the cutaway. And, oh man, 
fucking nasty of her just has her face cut off mm-hmm. hanging on a tree branch hanging on a tree yeah Dude, and she's still alive it's like oh man so freaking good but how about before that with freaking foxy's <laughs> so they find him sitting there dude and he just goes off about how bigger boobs are and like what guys would do to her <laughs> yeah. like, i hope nobody st- sits on her and takes a shit people are into that these days you gotta watch people man they're weird <laughs> and then freaking otis comes up bow shoots the guy's brains out and freaking while he's picking skull out of his eye foxy's like get talking about a set of titties and nobody knows what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's, I mean, people can talk shit about Rob Zombie all they want, but the man can fucking write lines. That's for damn sure. Oh, dude, so funny. I was rolling. Again, I've seen this like six times. I was like, oh my gosh, so good. (laughs) Yeah. One scene I really wanted to talk about was whenever baby... Um, gets taken down to the cellar with, by Greta. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like this scene just because, like, I think it's cool that, you know, the outcome of it, but just with the other movies, like I mentioned, like, I don't think Zombie, I don't know if he can direct an action scene or he just, this is the way he wanted to do this scene where you don't, you like, you think that obviously baby's not going to survive this. I think that's what he was going for in this scene, but Mm -hmm. I wish we could have got like a little bit more of seeing baby, you know, fucking these girls up. Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing I've noticed with him is that he, and I don't know this for a fact, but one thing I have believe is true is that if you watch a lot of his movies, even with the Halloween movies, when there's like a serious scene going on or there's something um, action wise happening, he really focuses on people's faces. Like he wants you mm-hmm. to see the action, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just what's coming across to them, but through their face. And I think that's what he does in this scene because you see, if you watch it again more times and you see those other girls where you were thinking they're beating the shit out of baby, right? Well, there's a few mm-hmm. of those real fast flashes where it's just their face and you can tell, okay, these people are not, they're like in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, and like upon first watch I was with you guys first time I watched it I was like there's no way she would have got out of this like I've seen Sons of Anarchy I know what ha- I know what happens when two people <laughs> gang up on one dude in the, the prison cell but um, I again and then to, more so to my point when Greta comes back which is I really think what he wanted us to focus on was he zooms in on her face and like you don't mm-hmm. see baby yet I, you, I think she sees her like down the hall but like you see Greta's face and she's like shocked i fucked up yeah yeah exactly so Mm -hmm. that's what i think he did i could be completely off my fucking rocker and he doesn't know how to shoot an action scene i don't know but that's the way i view it i don't know i see brooke's point in this like i mean i kind of had in my mind like they're they're obviously not going to kill baby we know this Mm mm-hmm so I had in my mind that it was her fucking them up, but yeah, you really can't tell unless Josh, like you said, like if you've watched it a few times and you really focus on what these cuts are, I mean, like maybe if you watch it in half speed or something like that, you'd be able to see more of it, but everything's so quick and so up close mm-hmm. that you have. And like the colors all distorted and shit too. Like you have no idea what's actually going on. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing I wonder about is does he have to do that in that scene to 
adhere to some sort of like kind of like we talked about with Kill Bill, where they couldn't show mm-hmm. certain things. So I don't know. I'm making up excuses for the man for all I know, but that's the way I looked at it. But the first time I watched, I'm with you guys. I was like, ah, not not great there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like in this movie he would have had less worry about the mpaa because this one is the least violent i would say out of the three and it was only in theaters for uh i had like a one night showing which did so well that i think they gave it an extra three nights uh across the u.s mm-hmm. and then what, it went right to shutter after that I believe so yep mm-hmm. i watched the I unrated if, version though i don't is that the one you guys watched i'm not sure uh i think it was unrated i got like the three pack on apple tv uh, okay yeah <clears throat> But uh, but I yeah. think it even they even like label it as a Shutter exclusive. Yeah, I think they do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other two movies aren't fucking on there. <laughs> well, I mean, you so can just stupid. buy them. I have them. I mean, well, I have them too. But <laughs> you want me to give you my digital copy code? <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> I have them too. But I was staying to Brook the one night. Like, I, I think it was one of these. Yeah, because I have them on DVD and I didn't feel like watching them downstairs. So I just like, I think I found, oh, it was Rejects. I found, no, it was Corpses. I found on Tubi and I was like, fuck, I'll just watch it on my laptop on the couch upstairs. Dude, I'm the same. Like, I won't buy a Blu-ray unless it has the digital code involved because I'm like, I know what's going to happen <laughs> and I'm going to be doing something and I'm not going to want to get the freaking deep Blu-ray out and put it in the Xbox. I'm going to want to be lazy and click the voodoo mm-hmm. thing on the Roku and just watch it. But yeah. But Brooke, I see your point because I didn't. I didn't really care for the scene either, honestly. Upon the first watch, so. Uh, do you think that uh, that like the police that are looking for Otis would have like sent cops like outside of the warden's house? <laughs> Today, yes, like, probably. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I didn't think of. Yeah, because it was in the late eighties. Uh, I just thought it was kind of silly that. Otis comes to his house and like there's no one there, but I guess I get your point. And this this warden is such an arrogant prick that I could see him him being like, eh, I'll be fine. These people aren't gonna, they're not gonna do anything. Yeah, and we know that he doesn't treat his workers very well because like he has like a sexual encounter with one of them that they kind of mention briefly later on. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good scene too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You weren't um, saying that when you had your hands down my fucking pants. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I do like this whole scene whenever uh, Otis like takes um, who's like the is it the parole officer? The one guy that's there that is there with his wife. Yeah. Because he was at yeah. the parole hearing for mm-hmm. um, for baby. Um, I did like this whole scene. Um, it kind of is reminiscent of uh, rejects of that hotel scene a little bit, mm-hmm. although not as crazy as, as that one was. Um, I thought the whole like clown scene was cringy, but hilarious at the same time, <laughs> because this guy's just sitting there like Otis says, okay, make me laugh. You can leave. It's like, Oh really? He's just, Sit there for like five so minutes. Stupid. Dude, it's trying so to make bad. him laugh. And, oh, it's, it's so cringy, but so funny. When the clown showed up, I honestly thought it might have been like one of their like cult follower people, like pretending, like trying to be an Otis character oh, or a yeah. Spalding character. Yeah. And like trying to like kind of join them because if, if they knew that Spalding got the lethal injection. Mm-hmm. that's kind of what my original thought process was. Cause we have no idea why he's there. 
He just I mean, shows up. There's balloons when he first shows up, but they don't really like. There's no kids there, so why would you need to it's hire clowns? The middle of the fucking night. <laughs> I mean, like. Well, they're having a dinner party. My theory on the clown thing is that this guy's obviously a prick. I'm guessing that those two people are probably pretty wealthy and that their families were having a dinner and that guy was going to be their entertainment for the night and they most mm. likely had him there to belittle him and make fun of him. If I had to guess, I'm assuming that's, that's what fair. he was there for. Yeah. Because that guy's a total prick, that Virgil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, I can um, see that. But that's but what I'm a, assuming it was for. But I, how about when the clown walks in and he says to Otis, oh, are you the lady of the house? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're dead. Dude, yeah, so he's never going to just pisses his pants and Otis starts busting <laughs> laughing. And he's like, clown's like, oh, can I leave now? And he's like, yeah, you can go on straight off to clown heaven. He fucking shoots him in the head. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Another scene I liked was when um, baby's getting <coughs> stitches and the warden comes in and he tries to get her to tell him who let her out of her cell. He's like, tell me who let mm-hmm. you out of solitaire. And she gives him this fucking batshit crazy off-the-wall story about a kitty that she found in a drain. <laughs> and the yeah. big bad warden comes and says, don't mess around with that kitty. And he's like, well, how'd the kitty get in the drain? And she starts meowing like the cat, basically like saying, yeah. I'm not telling you how the fuck I got out of my cell. Yeah. yeah, and then Greta comes to the cell. That's the scene we're talking about. Earlier, but she comes to the cell and like she's just totally fucking with Greta. Like she's mm-hmm. didn't turn her in. And then Greta's still like, oh well, stitch or snitches get stitches. And that's when Baby laughs at her. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I-, I own you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, what did you think of uh, Otis's plan to break Baby out of jail? Like, just put her into guard. A guard uniform yeah uh i think it's pretty amateurish compared to what they're capable of um it didn't make a whole lot of sense i mean especially how the uniform was on her like once she finally gets it on like she's not in disguise whatsoever like she's <laughs> right. just wearing a guard's like I don't know what the fuck they're called, like a smock or a fucking the just the shirt of the uniform and and a skirt. Yeah, I mean, like they don't try and cover her face up. They don't do anything with her hair. It's just baby in this like Halloween costume kind of thing, basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I don't he could have got I her out of there. Poorly. No, no. Yeah, I don't know how he could have got her out of there. But if you listen, like they're not there long before the police are coming. So I'm assuming there was a big, a big, and they don't show it, which you know I like my short movies. I don't think I needed to see it. But I'm assuming mm-hmm. there was probably a big scuffle to get her out of there. And the police probably followed him back to his house, I'm guessing. I mean, there's no way he put yeah. her in that uniform yeah. and just walked out with her and nobody saw, right? Like people, mm-hmm. and Greta's dead yeah. in the freaking in yeah. the office so like i don't and it's like yeah how does no one kind of like clue in like he immediately calls for a guard's outfit to his office mm-hmm. and then calls another person to bring baby up to his office it's like yeah i'm with you that's that's a far-fetched plan um that don't that would only uh be uh it would only work in a movie yeah exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> and i mean i assume that they had like swat teams and stuff back then so like if I was the warden, just fucking call the SWAT team out of the house. Like, yeah, your wife or girlfriend may not survive, but 
At least he may fucking capture these guys. Damn, Brooke, just throwing them to the wolves. <laughs> just saying. I'm with you. Like, yeah, they're there. Just, you know what? It's going guns blazing. Just shoot it. <laughs> just shoot the hairs up. <laughs> I mean, but that's like, that's how Otis and them, like, they play games with people, right? Like, the Warren probably thinks that he's, Otis is going to let him survive after after this but then he gets back to the house and it's just like that hotel scene like they're just like all right let's have some fucking fun you know mm -hmm. i would just start start stabbing the parole officer or whatever the guy is just like fuck right as soon as they walk as soon as baby gets there it's like all hell breaks loose yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah it almost like this movie almost makes me believe that she's the ringleader she is the star of the show well yeah she says she is <laughs> But I mean, like you just said, as soon as she gets there, like it's just complete fucking chaos. I think they need each other. I think that's the premise of this mm. this movie is that they need each other. Because the thing that makes me still think that Otis is the ringleader is that when the cartel get there later in the movie, the first thing she says is, "I have to find Otis." That's true. And we're I'm jumping ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait on that one. But yeah, I think. I think that they're a collective unit. I don't know how well they operate without one another, which is likely why mm. he had to get her out of prison and why he waited. Because how long did Foxy say they've been sleeping in the woods? A month? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. So I that may also be why they didn't have people at the warden's house. They may have thought that these people were long gone by now. That's mm. true. Yeah. But I think it was a weeks or months, or it was a while that they'd been camping out in the woods, I think. But, yeah. I mean we see it now with prison breaks and like they find the people like they scour the fucking woods in the areas all around and like they get helicopters and like search parties and all this shit. Mm -hmm. You would think, but I mean, it was 1988. Maybe things are different back then. Yeah. Yeah. This whole scene was just nuts. The warden shoots his, his wife by accident because Otis pulls her in front and then the naked girl starts running away and uh, baby's like, I got this bitch and just runs outside. And I, I fucking love this scene. It's probably my favorite one in the movie whenever baby just stabs the shit over in front of the old lady and then just fucking waves <laughs> to her. <laughs> was <Yeah>. great. <laughs> if you're that old lady, what do you do? Call the cops. Well, she called the cops. She called the cops because you can hear them after whenever baby's like, yeah, some old bitch saw me stab that girl outside. <laughs> we might want to hit it. Uh, dude, full 80s bush too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Not as bad as I've seen though. Eh. Wasn't as bad as I've seen. There's a lot going on there. There was, but. How about baby's knife handling skills in that scene? Huh. <sighs> I thought it was pretty sick. She like slow she's, motion, like yeah. threw it up and caught it. It's well, sick. She's and, fucking sick with a knife. And the thing about this scene is this is where the entire demeanor of the movie changes. It's almost like you're watching two separate movies, which I forget what movie I said that about prior. I said that about another movie, but it's like when that scene ends, it's like you get into a whole nother type of movie, in my opinion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which yeah. Again, I like, but I could see how it would turn some other people off if that's not what you thought you were signing up for. Probably like me the first time I watched it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like after this scene, they're more on the run. Yeah, oh, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you see less of that crazy, really insane 
um, acting type stuff, which I was talking about earlier, you see more mm-hmm. of like, you kind of get more of um, a, an insight into the family aspect of that group, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they get to not Mexico, but the hotel and they're just playing like go fish and babies like bored as fuck. <laughs> and uh, she just goes out for, to get like a pop or something and like ends up killing killing the one guy and she comes back and is like i can't leave you for 10 fucking minutes <laughs> <laughs> well i think doesn't foxy stick up for her he's like she's been in prison for 10 years she's just trying to have a little fun yeah yeah, yeah. well and whenever she says she's bored too foxy brings up the prison time too he's like you've just been in prison for 10 years like uh I forget exactly what he says, but he's like, how is this boring to you or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he says, we just broke it to jail. Isn't that excitement for one day? Right, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, I've been fucking sitting around for the last 10 years. And I I, I like truly do think now, I think that Josh has mentioned it, that she is a ringleader because she leaves like a mark on her kill for this guy. Mm-hmm. She says like baby was here or whatever. No, it's a great. Well, yeah, she wrote grape on her for- on his forehead, but then on like beside him in blood, it said "baby was oh. here" or something like that. I think. Okay, I missed that. I was focused on his face. She does she carve had- stuff into people's foreheads. There's a, there's different scenes where she carves different things into people's foreheads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she carved Greta into one of the girls' foreheads in the prison. I think. Actually, yeah, I think she did. Dude, how about when they're talking about going to Mexico and fucking Otis is like, I don't speak Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, fuck, man, little kids speak it. How hard could it be? (laughs) Dude, they fucking kill me. Yeah, they're great. And like when they're, we talked about before, when they're arguing about like driving, I was just like, man, I'm one fucking driving all day. And uh, Foxy's like, I got fucking night blindness, man. My retinas are fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what that's a callback to? No. What? Corpses. When the, the boyfriends are driving at the beginning, the one guy can't drive. Oh, yeah. Because he has night blindness. That's true. Oh. I forgot. Oh, that's about funny. That. <laughs> Dude, how about Otis's speech right before he kills the warden? He's like, Do you remember what the first thing you said to me was when I got to prison? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that's so good. I'm telling you, man. Otis has so many good yeah. speeches or quotes in this movie. Yeah, was he something about something? Kill Factory and you're my product or something like that. Death Factory, yeah. Death Factory, mm-hmm. yeah. And blows yeah. his head right off. Yeah, but, that reminded me of his uh, his Satan scene from Rejects. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Zombie goes and looks at like Charles Manson rants, and that's where he gets a lot of his inspiration for some of Otis's stuff because it's very similar. <clears throat> well, Otis looks like Charles Manson. Oh, like for I sure. think he's based that character off of him. Mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. So they, now they finally get to Mexico, and I, I love like their dynamic between each other. Uh, I think Foxy says like, oh, "I want to get into movies," and they're like, "Movies?" And he's like, "Yeah, porn movies." You know, he <laughs> pitches this movie called Salami Man. That's <laughs> so funny. Show me the salami, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm thinking, I'm like, this is a conversation we would have on the HMC. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Seth, pitch me an, a triple X movie. He'd be like, let's call it Salami Man. The best part, he's like, 
And he's like, got her bent over, fucking with the salami doggy style, and the dog's just sitting there watching, but he doesn't get involved. And Otis is like, well, why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, what does he say? I'm not for dog fucking or something like that. Oh, dude, I don't remember. It's so funny. I'm like, dude, this is a conversation I would have with my friends, unfortunately. We're weird. I can't help it. <laughs> uh Oh, and going back to the scene before they leave uh, the warden's house, I do like um, whenever Baby grabs the uh, the big chief. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. hat thing, and she grabs like the bow and arrow. I, I really, I liked how they kept that through the rest of the movie, and mm-hmm. she used the bow and arrow. She actually took archery lessons to learn how to use it. That's actually her using it. Really, I was just gonna say I love how versatile she is with her weapons, because like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, like with her fucking what are they called bowie knives like she's always like throwing them around or like fucking around with them and then in this one she got she has the bow and arrow and she uses guns and mm-hmm. i don't know she's more versatile than any of the other characters when it comes to weaponry right well then they all know how to use weapons and i wonder if that is like and again i might be making shit up but i wonder if that is like has to like because when in rejects like they're all ready to go to war right the police mm-hmm. show up and they're like fucking mm-hmm. ride or die right they are not mm-hmm. giving up i think baby even says that in this sebastian tells her to hide and she's like i don't fucking hide yeah so i wonder yeah. if they like are like trained for this somehow i don't know like i wonder if that's like what they're they're like doomsday preppers or something or if they're just so fucked up that they just don't care whether they live or die yeah yeah but like they know how yeah. to use the weapons though so it's like well this shit's crazy Mm-hmm. Yeah. talking about sebastian too i love how baby kind of compared him to tiny mm-hmm. and he's like oh tiny and she's like no he was huge <laughs> and <laughs> and uh she just like basically sa- like says what i said in in the past movies that like tiny has like this kind of childhood or childlike presence to him which she sees in Sebastian being a little person. Um, But also he, like he seems kind of slow as well. Right. Well, I think in, doesn't she call him beautiful? She called tiny beauty. She said, no, he was big and beautiful. And he was like, Oh no, I'm a monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she says, yeah, he was uh, beautiful in like a, a kind of weird kind of way. But then at the same time, it's cutting back and forth between Richard Brake and, um, his prostitute and he's watching Quasimodo and he's talking yeah. about how to uh he quotes Quasimodo about I never understood how ugly I was until I met someone so beautiful as you but I think that goes to show again their personalities and the fact that these people find beauty in things that most people would find utterly disgusting mm-hmm. which plays into their personalities right <clears throat> for sure yeah yeah I just like with baby, we see a turn in her towards the end of this movie, not only like with the Sebastian thing, mm-hmm. but also whenever she mentions to Otis Brooke, you brought it up earlier when she says like, is this all worth it? Like we can see that there's an actual human side to her and it's not just all balls to the wall killing. Like it is with Otis and like the rest of the family. Yeah. Like, I also she, think she it's values, her coming back values, down. What's that? I think it's also showing her coming back now because they make a point to show how like gone her brain is. I think it's them. Mm-hmm. It's also showing us she's coming back to some sort of what her actual normal reality was before being in prison for 10 years. 
where like family is everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And you kind of get this in uh, a small scene near the end here. And she has like the, the knife throwing contest with like the two guys. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, you know, they could just go fucking nuts because the two guys are kind of, you know, making fun of her, making these kind of sexist remarks and stuff. So like, you know, she has a fucking knife in her hand. She could just turn at any point. But, you know, she just plays the game with them and kind of shows them up. I honestly thought that her like winning throw was going to be into the heart of one of those guys. Oh, that'd have been sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Might not have like, f- been too good for her after, but, <laughs> but instead of throwing it at the wooden figure, if she threw it at one of them, what's well, the thing? Cause she talks in that scene right there. She talks about a slow pause and what it, a dramatic pause is what she calls it. Cause he's like, just mm-hmm. throw already. And she explains to him why you do a dramatic pause in a movie. It's to build mm-hmm. tension, yeah. right? And that's exactly what happens because what you just said, right? Like you thought she was going to do something else, but she turns around and throws it right into the target. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so on the nose, but like, again, if you don't think about it at the time, you don't really catch it. Like she's explaining what is going on in that scene while she's doing it. Yeah. Brilliant. But we also, we also know that baby looks up to these actresses and whatnot, like in corpses, she dresses up as, I can't remember what the character's name is, but for the Halloween show, she dresses up as this character and she's doing like a singing and a, an acting sort of skit. And then in that same movie, she's also talking about, or she's talking to one of the girls that she abducts and asks her who her favorite actress is. Mm-hmm. And then like in this movie, we hear her say that she's the star of the show and she's talking about dramatic pauses. So it's almost like, like she wants to branch off and do her own thing with like acting, but I don't see it from the rest of them. Yeah, I again, my theory is they're all playing these parts in this movie that they think they're in. That's just my theory on the whole thing. Um, and I think you see them break off into these different, they're, you know, uh, Heath Ledger playing the Joker versus Heath Ledger going out to dinner, right? Like two different people. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that. You can't, if you look for it. Again, like I said, you probably have to look mm-hmm. for it, but. I've seen these movies 500 times, so I'm like always trying to find new angles. So that's just the that's just where I've always been at with it. Uh, so it's uh, as this ending, um, we learn about this Aquarius character who is Danny Trejo's son, and we kind of briefly talked about it before. But I, uh, they do kind of need an ending to this, like they need, like Mark said, a, a bad guy chasing these guys. Mm-hmm. I do like how they kind of put that into. Uh, into this movie Josh yeah. looks like he wants to say something now I was waiting my turn I, I agree with you I like the, the the turn that it takes once they get into Mexico because um, you kind of get to see him let loose and then it's like mm-hmm. it gets serious because that let loose scene really isn't that long I mean you see him mm-hmm. the knife throw thing Otis and Foxy are hanging out with the girls they're drinking having fun and then it, then it's when all the shit happens is in the morning um, yeah so I kind of like how you get to see him have fun and kind of let loose, but then it's like back to no bullshit in the morning. Um, and I do like mm-hmm. how they brought that full circle with the person that captured them in rejects and they never really got any redemption for. Now they're mm-hmm. going to get it with that guy's son, which I mean, he, yeah. did, he did kill that guy. But again, so I, I like that they brought it in and it was somebody that we knew from a previous movie. Mm-hmm. Stupid yeah. ass name though. Aquarius? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> not a great name. Not a great name. But no, all I kept thinking of was that end scene in Forty Year Old Virgin, <laughs> the Age of Aquarius. Dude, what'd you think of the prostitute telling uh, <laughs> Otis that she could ride him till his dick fell off? And he's like, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which like could almost be a callback to Rejects whenever Spalding's laying in bed with his woman there. Yeah. And oh, that's she's true. a bigger lady. Uh-huh. She's a bigger lady. And she's like, oh, don't you love it? Don't guys love it when their girls are horny? And he's like, bitch, my dick still hurts from last night. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love his sense of humor. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Or in the morning when he grabs a bottle of vodka or whatever, tequila, and he's like, yeah. you drinking? He's like, I'm trying to get the taste of you out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. I do like the kind of... Uh, um, they kind of make like this uh, Mexican cartel kind of like the equivalent not equivalent to the three of them, but kind of like the thing that is going to, you know, take them out. And uh, like the guys like, yeah, bring, uh, I'm going to bring three coffins with me and stuff like this. Or kind of mm-hmm. like what's going to happen. But um, yeah, this whole end fight scene, I thought her standoff, I thought was fantastic with uh baby using the bow and arrow, like quite a bit actually. Mm-hmm. And uh Sebastian helps her out a bit and he's about to get killed by Aquarius, but then he says, Oh, you're not even worth one fucking bullet. Mm-hmm. Um Odius gets in the car with Carlos, who rotted him out, and that whole scene between them I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's awesome. He's like, You squeak, squeak me a story, rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you like the slow motion baby scene where you first see her in like the headdress with the bow and arrow and then she's in that white dress and it's like, it's all slow-mo that first part of it. Mm-hmm. I think I did like it. Yeah. You did like it. Okay. I thought it was shot so well. Like you just see yeah, it and again. It's all like, her face. At, Cause like at first, like if it, that was like full speed, you wouldn't really know where a baby is. Like I didn't even see her until like, the guy was on the floor. I was like, "Oh shit, she's up in the in the corner there." Yeah, dude. It's so I, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just that scene where you get to see her fuck these guys up. Yeah, yeah. And Otis, um, Otis fighting him in his under his tidy whities. He like goes to war <laughs> in his tidy whities. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, and uh, whenever Aquarius first gets to, I think it's. Uh, wolfie's place and the girl's like oh i'm going to hollywood with my new boyfriend and she's like i'm not scared of you and the guy just fucking shoots her in the back of the head yeah what i love about that scene is she's talking about how she's not going to live there anymore and she's got somebody that really cares about her and it's cutting back and forth between richard brick actually uh foxy running to save his family he doesn't care about that woman like he no it doesn't no. Care <laughs> totally left her to go find a baby in and Otis and help them, which he obviously <laughs> saves Otis, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mark, what do you think of the final machete fight between Otis and uh, that big motherfucker? Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I didn't expect it at all. Like Otis throughout all these movies, we don't see any of them really like fighting people. Like, they're very sneaky killers. They come up from behind, yeah. they slit your throat, they shoot you in the back of the head. 
Um, it's very rare that we see like a one-on-one sort of fight where it's even. So I really wasn't expecting it, but I did enjoy it. I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was well done. And <clears throat> Brooke, for you, I don't think there's very many slow motion scenes during this whole action <laughs> sequence. <laughs> No, um, um, but I like how I like how um, Sebastian comes up too when he frees the other, he frees Baby and Foxy at the same time as this is all going on. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I really I I enjoyed this whole ending sequence. <clears throat> My yeah, favorite- I do like how Sebastian oh. was like the one that kind of came back and saved them because Aquarius kind of fucked up and didn't kill him when he could have. And if you think about it. Tiny does the exact same thing at the end of Rejects. Mm. Very that's, true. That's true. What were you going to say, Josh? My favorite part of the whole thing is the beginning of it when they're basically done, right? And yeah. <laughs> I think either Foxy or Baby, or no, Otis asks him which one's going to die, or maybe it's Aquarius. He asks him which one's going to die first, and they tell them which one of their guys they're going to kill first, <laughs> even though they're tied up and like just. Yeah completely outnumbered and i just love the mm-hmm. fact that even then they're they don't give up like they don't care they're gonna fight till mm-hmm. they die because i think mm-hmm. um otis asked fox if he should fight the guy at the machete and he's like well i think we're fucked anyway so like yeah go for it man <laughs> and then babies just screaming kill them kill them all like the whole dude it's just the, whole, the i love it yeah mm-hmm. and uh they had that final scene they they get aquarius into the uh one of the coffins and um just all three of them are standing there and like I, I think it's a great shot of that and i think it's like foxy or baby says something to otis and otis is like well i know how to burn a motherfucker or something <laughs> like that <laughs> said i want him real crispy i know how to burn a corpse that's what it yeah. is yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's the scene you get where they're just looking at him yeah and Foxy's mm-hmm. like, "What? What are we watching for?" He's like, "Yeah, it's something in their eyes. You'll just when you see it, you'll know it. And you'll see again, them break again. It's just that's what they do. They fuck with you till you break, and then they kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, Is that, that was it there.' And Ellis is like, "Yeah, that was it." <laughs> <laughs> but what? That seriously though, like Mark, this is your first time watching it. You're watching mm-hmm. Otis, and you're watching Sebastian sneak up to untie the other ones, like. You were rooting for the reject or the rejects. You were rooting for the three from hell, right? The three of them. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, for I want- sure. Dude, what kind of writing do you have to do to where we're actually rooting for these sadistic fucks to win this battle? <laughs> right? Like, look how bad. I don't know. These like, we are. know that 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 they're the bad guys. We know this, and we know why Aquarius is going after them. They killed his father. I mean. In a regular movie, you would be rooting for that guy. But I think it's because these stories are focused on these characters, so they almost turn into the protagonists of the movies. Like, these are their movies, so we want them to win. Mm-hmm. Again, how how good of writing do you have to do to make this happen, though? Because these are, these are scumbag people. I've already said it, man. Like Rob Zombie, you can say whatever the fuck you want to say about him, but the dude can fucking write a a, a movie. All right, I'll quit. All right. Any uh, last thoughts before we wrap up this discussion? What do you think about the last line of the movie? The very last thing said. 
audio line again adios motherfucker oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> does, that, does that not sum up this family perfectly yeah it does yeah it's good Let's was say. it otis that says it or was it baby 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 it would have been funny it would have been funny if it was otis because he complained earlier that he doesn't know mexican that's spanish. true spanish i should say that's true i think foxy says you have any last words and mm-hmm. that's when or he yeah. said he says fuck you and baby says oh they always say fuck you yeah, yeah. and yeah. then he throws the match and she's like audio with her little knife adios motherfucker yeah it's a good mm-hmm. it's a good all right we only have a minute and a half quickly do you think there will be a fourth one mm. I don't think there will, but I wouldn't be mad if there was. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he made another one because he left it open-ended like that. But I think mm-hmm. this is the ending that he wanted. I think he wanted them to ride off into the sunset. We see the rejects die, supposedly, and then in this one mm-hmm. you see them ride off. You notice they're in a very similar car to what they were in and rejects. Mm-hmm. If you if you go through the credits, there it shows them riding yeah. off into the sunset, basically, which I think is the ending that he wanted. Okay. And that's why I asked if you guys thought there'd maybe be a fourth one because of the way that these credit scenes play out. Right. Like uh, you just think they're going to live out their days in Mexico. I don't know what they're going to do. There's some crazy people. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, anyways, that's the way the blood splatters. There's no blood in this movie. All right, so I guess we'll head on over to the reviews. Josh, as our guest, would you like to start? Oh, I get to go first? Okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> so story. We're doing story first, correct? Story first, yeah. I personally love the Firefly family. I think everybody knows that, specifically Baby. Uh, but I do really like Otis, too, and I think Fox is a great addition to the group. Uh, in Spalding's absence. Obviously, I wish if uh, Spalding could be in this, but obviously not possible. Um, the storyline, though, I have to admit, is pretty basic. I mean, you have Foxy mm-hmm. breaking the other two out of prison. They head to Mexico where they encounter an enemy from their past. That's you know, that's not really a uh, groundbreaking story. But where, where Zombie gets points for me is that his ability to write these characters and provide them with dialogue that leaves me speechless in a, a bunch of scenes. You have speeches from, uh, I keep calling them speeches, but they're quotes from Otis and Baby that are just so perfect and they're acted out perfectly. Um, I also find it amazing that he's been able to do this with, with this movie, giving us uh, rejects in the beginning. Uh, the beginning of this movie really is very rejectsy versus the latter half of the movie where it's more of like a horror action movie in my opinion. So mm-hmm. really you're getting two different movies and they're both done in my opinion really well. So his ability to do that with two different stories in one movie I think is really great. Um, again, not the beat a dead horse, but I've come to the conclusion that he's writing two personalities for each of the characters and they have their in character and their offstage characters, which I think is genius if that is the case. Um, so I gave it an eight out of 10 for story just cause I love this storyline. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you can hop on and do your quality at the same time. Oh, well fine. All right. Then I guess I was ill prepared to, to follow that up. Okay. So for quality, um, I think you have to like what he does in terms of his... He has a very grindhouse feel to all of his movies. They're very 
they're how how do I compare this? I want to I, I I fucking hate this movie and they sued me and I don't want to give them any credit. But if you look at like how Texas Chainsaw the original one was shot, it's just dirty. It's grimy. <laughs> yeah. It makes yeah. you feel like you have to take a shower after you watch it, and that is in mm-hmm. a sense a Rob Zombie movie, right? But he also they're has always great, sweaty. Sweaty. They're gross. They're dirty. There's sweat stains mm-hmm. on their shit. The dialogue's great, and it's just, overall it's disgusting. It just makes you feel disgusting. Um, so I can see why if you weren't into that gritty, not pretty type of movie, you're probably not going to like Rob Zombie's movies. But I happen to enjoy that, and I think it adds another element to it. So, again, the characters are written really well. And, again, I've already talked about it, so I think the dialogue's great. But personally, I love the, the Hellbelly Grindhouse movies <laughs> that Rob Zombie does. And while you look at his movie and you'd probably think the quality of his movies aren't great, I think they're shot that way for a reason. Um, mm. So I hope you guys are sitting down. I gave it a nine out of ten for quality. Okay. Okay. I'm like I'm honestly I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> <so. laughs> and I'm not going to fault you for it. I mean, I think I've played like my I, case right. Yeah, and like I said before, I think on like a second and third watch, I might appreciate this one significantly more than I did on a first watch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, Brooke, you want to go? Sure. Uh, so for my story, I gave it a 30 out of 10. Um, now, a lot of the stuff we've talked about and mentioned, um, my story score may jump up like a point or two, to be honest. We discussed a lot of things. Um, so the only reason I'm getting this such a low score is because this movie I felt was not needed and then surviving makes no sense to me. Um, however, them trying to get out of jail and figure out what to do next really show how fucked up they really are. The introduction of Otis's half-brother was a nice touch, but may not have been needed. Only seemed like a Sid replacement. Otis was great as always. I didn't really like Baby in this one. Very annoying, and she didn't seem the same. Even Otis makes a comment about it. Um, I thought the lines were just classic in this one, too. Like We mentioned quite a few. Just mm-hmm. burst out laughing. And for quality, I give it a 6 out of 10. Um, Although I may not like the story, this is still a well-made movie. I liked it the second time a lot more than the first time. It really shows how crazy they are and that they fuck with people so much. I thought it was well shot, and it really did feel like it was the late 80s. So story, 3 out of 10, and quality, a 6 out of 10. Very nice. Uh, my story on first watch, I gave it a five out of 10. Um, but Brooke, like you said, after this discussion, I could probably put up to like a, a six, I would say. Um, I'm reciprocating your thoughts, Brooke. Like I don't, I didn't necessarily think it was a necessary installment into creating this trilogy, but upon watching it, uh, it was better than I expected. I didn't hate it. There was some things that I was like, eh, like, what's the point of this? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a better film than what I was expecting going into it blind. Um, for my quality, I gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, the kills were still fucking cool. This the the standoff at the end, I really enjoyed. Um, the one-liners that we get through it, the whole thing. I, like Brooke said, I didn't like Baby's character quite as much. I mentioned it earlier as well. Uh, 
But I mean, I've complained about her character in the other movies as well a little bit. And in this one, she kind of toned down that whole like whiny voice kind of act, I guess. Um, But I almost wish that she would have kept that character in this one. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, and the the score in in this one was good as well as they always are with Rob Zombie. He always plays the, like the eighties, seventies or eighties type rock music, psychedelic rock and shit like that, which always fits perfectly with all his movies. But yeah, five out of 10 for my story, possibly a six out of 10 and a seven for quality. Nice. I thought it would have been lower for you to be honest, but Uh, yeah, I didn't hate it. (laughs) (laughs) There's some grapes, but all in all, it's not a terrible movie. All right. You guys know our scores. Let's head on over to Rotten Tomatoes to see what they've scored it. Josh, do you, do you know the score? I do. I already, you I do. know what it is. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll go ahead and just ask Brooke like I normally do. All right. The critics consensus three from hell may be of interest to fans of the trilogy, but those not already on board with Rob Zombie's gory saga will find little to lure them in here. Hmm. So that could go either way. Based <laughs> <I saw> that. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with a 66. You're kind of close. So both the critics and the audience scored at a 58%. Okay. Uh, the critics was on 38 ratings and an average score of 5.6 out of 10. The audience was on 500 plus ratings with an average score of 3.3 out of 5. So the critics scored it quite a bit higher than I expected. I wasn't expecting over a 50. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I mean, I kind of expected a little bit lower of an audience score too, because I know a lot of people shit on this movie and didn't want it to be done, but mm-hmm. I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on them? You know how I feel about Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> Crooks. Yet you still use them. Every show, every fucking episode, I got to say their name and it kills me every time. <laughs> every single time. Uh, yeah, I, I could see why they... Um, I Honestly, Brooke, you said 66% for six, 66% was your guess and I'm pretty sure the 3.3 out of 5 is 66%. So you would have actually nailed the audience percentage. Yeah, you would have for but sure. But you know if these crooks gave you actual numbers instead of giving you a percentage on one and an out of five on the other, we'd make our math a lot easier. But what do I know? Why do you call them crooks? They're not stealing anything. They're crooks, dude. That's <laughs> a fucking give you bullshit. Then they finally, people bitched long enough that they finally actually put the, the average on there. Which I enjoy seeing. It makes me angry. I'm sorry. I'm getting upset. No, I I don't know. I could see, I think Rob Zombie movies don't get rated very high anyway. <laughs> so I, I think this is probably actually a favorable rating for a Rob Zombie movie, to be honest with you. I forget what Rejects got. It was high, though. It was higher. Did corpses get shit on? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Corpses was like a 30-something, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. Do you think people (laughs) would like that movie more if they never did the Dr. Satan thing? Uh, I think it's the whole content of it 
like it, it's a hard watch for people that aren't fans of that grindhouse horror movie. Mm. Like the whole kidnapping, the raping, the like torture. I think I don't think it would ever get a high score on a rating scale. Gotcha. That's fair. Like I can't I mean there's some out there that do it, but I can't think off the top of my head like a movie that's this wrought with like torture and shit mm-hmm. like that that has a high score. But anywho. You guys ready for the scare section? Yes, sir. All right, Josh, what did you give this movie for a scare rating? I gave it a 6 out of 10. I don't feel like these movies are exceptionally scary. This is probably the least scary one in the trilogy. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it has that same demented, tension-filled horror that the other ones have through, you know, up until they escape to Mexico. But I think what's scary with these movies is the family aspect of it and that these people are that demented and that there's actually people out there that have been this demented and done very similar things. Like you look at the Manson family, Ed Gein, Edmund Kemper. Um, mm-hmm. So there's actually people and groups out there that probably that do still exist today that do, sh- maybe not to this degree, but shit like this. And to me, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But six out of 10, sorry for this one. Cool. What was your scariest scene? Um, these these aren't like jump scary movies, so I don't know that one scene. It's like the whole movie has this weird tension to it that makes you feel uncomfortable while you watch it. Uh, I guess if I had to pick one, it'd be when Baby gets to uh the the warden's house and the all hell breaks loose right as soon as she walks in the door. So that whole <laughs> that whole scene there, probably if I had to pick just one, would be that one. I would I think that so. that would be it. Okay, and would you survive? Um, no, not a chance. (laughs) (laughs) No. All right. (laughs) What about you, Brooke? Uh, For Scary, I gave it a 4 out of 10. Uh, Like the other movies, this family is crazy, and it shows some really cool kills, and uh, they're just a real sadistic family. Um, Scariest scene, uh, not really like any scary scenes like Josh says, but that scene when Otis cuts off the girl's face while she's still alive mm. is fucking gnarly. Yeah. Um, Cause like she has like, like raccoon eyes, like her eye, like her skin is still right around her eyes, but the rest mm. of her face is, Oh, that's fucking gross. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Um, and then would I survive? Uh, hell no. I mean, even if I was like some random guy in the movie, like that guy that baby kills, like just go and get soda. Like, Mm-hmm. The guy invited her to a party and she just oh, I'm gonna kill this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Or the hikers. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's fucked up. Well, the hikers kind of deserved it. <laughs> okay. In their eyes, because they were about to turn them in, but that's know. yeah, true. <clears throat> you drinking water? Yeah, man. Jesus. Gotta stay hydrated. Exactly. Wow. There's water in beer. <laughs> true. What's uh, your scare rating, Mark? My scare rating is a 3 out of 10. Uh, I found this one to be the least scary of the trilogy. Um, and one of you guys mentioned that like, kind of halfway through, <coughs> excuse me, it, it almost takes, it turns into more of an action movie rather than a horror movie. Um, mm. So that really takes away the whole scare factor for me. Um, 
I mean, they're they're still obviously like a super demented, fucked up family. But as for the movie, it did just I don't know. It falters in the scare scare section for me. Uh, the scariest scene. I said the fake titties on the one girl that Otis has in his room, and she needs to su- sue her plastic surgeon. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed them, but they were fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great <laughs> dude all i can think of is the other ones <laughs> which one the big girl yeah oh my god those poor things they like fold it over yeah yeah <laughs> oh man um and what i survive i said i haven't survived the family yet so i'm not about to now you guys ready for captain spalding's Trivia of Monsters and Mad Men. I almost fucked that up so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I almost called it the museum. Oh, dude. So for anyone who's been following along, Brooke and I have been doing a three-part trivia series with this, and whoever wins it all gets to pick our next movie. Um, With us having a guest on, Josh is going to be our trivia master, and he'll be asking us the questions. I'm currently in the lead with a three-to-one score. Yes. And, And, uh, uh, yeah, we didn't really think this through. So the movie that we're picking for this will be released after Mars Attacks, I think, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Which, um, yeah, the listeners don't know what that move that that movie is going to be next. Oh, right. Um, Brooke and I pre-recorded an episode previously before this one that'll be dropping the week after this one releases. So we did a trivia on that. There's already a winner for that one. Uh, so the winner of this one, the movie will be uh, for the movie that's after the winner of the whatever. It'll be in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy can... cow, dude! Yeah, I we know. didn't we didn't think it through. We didn't think it through. I don't even explain shit. I've had episodes where I said what the next movie was going to be, and then it wasn't even that. And I'm like, I'm not fixing this shit. Like nobody's going to notice. Uh, we can just cut all that out. I think you should leave it. Just watching him explain it was was great. Yeah. Mark, I see you're trying to find a movie to pick out. What? Yeah, I forgot to fuck. I forgot to. I forgot to fucking pick a movie. Uh, All right, well, the movie I'm putting up is 2008's Cloverfield. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of a monster movie now that I can put up. Fuck it, let's do the thing. Nice. The original. Gonna make sure you don't win trivia. Uh, you guys ready yeah who's going Mm -hmm. first uh mark and go first okay okay what is foxy's full name which he hates to be called 
Uh, Winslow, Foxworth. Uh, fuck, what was his last name? Coltrane. You got it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Brooke. When Otis and Baby get sentimental about Spalding, what does Otis refer to him as? Cutter. Got it. And maybe I took it too easy on you guys. <laughs> Mark, what does Baby say as she is killing Greta? I don't know. She had her in a sleeper hold. I'm mm-hmm. go to sleep. I don't fucking know. I can't remember. Do you guys do steals or is that question dead? Nah, it's dead. It's dead. She says, what a difference a day makes. Um, that's a good one. So this is Brooke. Yes, sir. Who shoots Warden Virgil's wife? Uh, Warden Virgil. He does. He shoots his own wife. You're correct. (laughs) (laughs) Mark. Yep. Name two words Baby carves into her victim's heads after killing them. So she does in this movie name two words that she carved into their heads. Uh, Grape and Greta. She actually does grape and baby. Oh, she didn't do Greta? No, it's baby. Uh, Oh, shit. Son of a bitch. Brooke, if you get this, you tie it up. Are you ready? Yeah. Where did Captain Baggy Britches get his pants from? (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, I, I don't know. Salvation Army? A man who was on a seafood diet. He saw food and he ate it. Oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Shit. I forgot about that. Uh, that's funny. Mark. Yo. Sebastian is played by actor Pancho Moller. What other mm. Rob Zombie movie did he play in and what was his name? Oh, you have to. Fuck. I don't know what his name was, but I'm pretty sure he was in 31. He is. You want to take a crack at his name? I don't know. Short stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His name's Sickhead, actually. Oh, okay. I was close. Fucking short stuff, dude. That's great. Oh, Lord. All right, Brooke, you could tie it up right here. Oh, Lord. Was I supposed to ask you guys three questions? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Okay. What is the logo and name on the side of the van the three drive into Mexico? It's the fucking clown's vehicle. Uh, You just said his fucking name. (laughs) Um, God damn it. (laughs) Something bridges. God damn it. I don't know. Something bridges. It's a clown head, and it says Mr. Baggy Britches. Yes. God damn. <laughs> you, get, you literally spoon-fed that one to me. I tried. I'm trying really hard. Yeah. I don't, Mark, you're going to win, but I only had one question left. Do you want it? Sure. What I'm game are Otis and Foxy playing in the hotel? Uh, go Fish. You got it. Nice. All right. So we're watching the thing. After we watch oh, Mars Attacks, which comes out after uh, that other movie that we did. <laughs> um, what did we just talk about the other day? Don't breathe. 
don't breathe right yeah jesus christ you're man. doing that see baby? this is why we this is why we can't pre-record because i can't fucking remember shit <laughs> that's the cum bucket movie <laughs> yes yeah the fucking turkey baster that's it man it's nasty so gross man so gross that's the movie that's gonna get us canceled too and yeah, we've been there we survived it you'll be fine <laughs> you did notice that um the word brooke told me i shouldn't use is in this movie otis says it i did he see does. that yeah <laughs> I and like, i started laughing i was like oh josh is gonna love that uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Josh, for coming on and discussing this movie and possibly changing our minds on some of our thoughts on on it. That's what he does. That is what he does. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we forgot to do this at the start, but if you want to plug your podcasts, uh, plural, uh, feel free now. Sure. Thanks. Um, people have probably heard me on here. No, but I am one third of the horror movie crew podcast. We're a weekly horror podcast. We're kind of more like a comedy podcast disguised as a horror podcast. Every week we talk about some of our favorite, not so favorite movies. We have a pretty cool rating scale at the end of it. We average out the rating and give you the horror movie crew's average stabbies rating for every movie. We are where you should be going to get your horror movie reviews and ratings. Not those other folks like Rotten Tomatoes. I'm also half of another horror pod. That's another horror podcast uh, with Michael from the We Love Horror Podcast. We do things a little differently. We get on and discuss our top favorite things, whether it be a franchise, director, genre, uh, or wild card, and we discuss our top five favorite things within that topic. Uh, We have episodes every other week with that one, so check us out. Very good. I got Thank a lot you. going on, man. A lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Uh, if you, if any of our listeners don't listen to either one of these podcasts, please do yourselves a favor and do so because uh, you guys, all of you guys do fucking amazing work um, between both podcasts. So if you guys want to catch us on social media, we are at a podcast on Elm Street pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you click the link in our bio on Instagram, you'll find links to our Public account where we have some merch. Uh, we also have a link to our Patreon account if you wish to support the podcast that way. There's also links to our Discord server, our Twitch channel, and anywhere that you can listen to us. Um, Josh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, thank you. We knew, we knew that this had to be... We had to have you on for one of these episodes. So what better way to wrap up this trilogy than to have you come on and talk about it? I do appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I was holding my breath for longer than I wanted to. Well, I noticed that. And then I was like, I'll just wait and see how long he holds his breath. No, seriously, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. I know I blew up your freaking Instagram messages when I was listening to your House of a Thousand Corpses episode. Um, I take back all the mean things I said. You should still be allowed to use Captain Spaulding in your theme, trivia theme. I know I told you you guys are not worthy of using it. Um, And I'm sure Sid Hag flipped back over in his grave after he rolled over when you pissed him off. So I think the world is is all right now. So I I digress. Perfect. That's what we wanted to hear. (laughs) All right. Uh, I guess that's it. We'll uh, see you guys next week. Yep. Talk to you next week, guys.